You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Brand new week, and we have a familiar face joining us who has been, uh, he's been, he's been away for quite some time, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Bruce, how are you? Oh, healthy and alive. Yeah. As always, as always, I'm glad to see that you're, uh, that, that you're healthy and alive. I'm glad to see that. And without further ado, parents put the kids to bed. Marty, it's been a long time. How are you, my friend? It's good to see you. Glad to have you back on. Thank you very much. I am fan flipping tastic. Thank you for asking. Uh, and it's good to see you guys. Definitely. I've been uh, I've been talking you up for the last uh, for the last week or so saying that you're going to be back because a lot of new listeners around the world and they're probably listening to that intro saying, OK, we're introducing GP. Well, everybody knows who GP is at this point, but uh, which he's no longer a resident of Los Angeles. He has since moved to uh, Florida and uh, he's taken up residence down there. But that's a side issue. But people are probably wondering, who is this Marty Foster guy that they keep saying on the intro that has never actually uh, been around to give his considered and informed opinion that we're all welcome to? So how about you tell all of the new listeners from uh, parts of Europe, parts of the United States, from down under in uh, Australia, all across Australia, New Zealand, uh, and parts of uh, uh, Eastern Europe and all the way over into into Russia uh, and the Middle East. Tell everybody who you are. I'm I'm just a, an average working class boy from um, deepest, darkest East Anglia in the United Kingdom. Um, I've spent most of my life in the armed forces or um, working for tech companies that, that make stuff for the armed forces. I spent 10 years in the Middle East as a training consultant for um, a Middle Eastern country's armed force. So I'm, some would say I'm three steps right of Mussolini, but they'd be wrong. Um, what I am is, is very much like Johnny, Bruce and GP. We are middle of the road common sense people um, who've experienced life, and I've probably experienced more of it than, than you two guys, without wishing to cause offence, because I'm much older. So yeah, I do have an opinion on everything, and you are welcome to it. And um, if if I haven't put you off already and you stay listening, you will get my considered opinion uh, throughout the next few weeks and uh, into the near future. Thank you. With all of that being said... I know I told you to take some time off and to get the things sorted that you needed to get sorted. And uh, I have to be honest, it's been uh, well, Bruce, you and I, we've we've missed you. Uh, it hasn't hasn't been the same around here without you. And, you know, I, I like the days where I really don't have to plan a whole lot. So when you and Ned come on, you know, the UK guys, it's like th that means I don't have to I don't have to plan so much because I don't have to talk so much. You've been away for so long. And you've been out of the the political loop because you don't want to overstress yourself. And I, I understand that. I completely understand that. But since you're on here, I, I did speak to you on the phone a couple of days ago. And you said that, uh, I'll tell you what, let's just start with the fact that you are in Facebook prison. I, mm. I asked you, I said, why are you even on social media? And you said, well, because people need to hear my considered and informed opinion. So 
you're here. I said, come back on. I said, you can talk to the world. Come back on and let's get your considered and informed opinion. What were you put into Facebook prison for? I was put into Facebook prison. And can I just say that that that's one of the things that drove me back to to podcasting was that um, whilst I convalesce, because I've, I've not been terribly well, whilst I convalesce, I had taken to checking my Facebook feed regularly. And every time I saw some kind of, I know this is um this is the normal weekly show, but there's certain words that are swear words, but we can still get away with, aren't there? Uh, yes, there's a few. If not, I can hit the bleep button. Right. Need- so every time I've seen a wank puffin post of a video, what? Um, did you stop for a second? What's a wank puffin? <laughs> I, you don't I remember. Need to know. You really, okay, you didn't know. because I I remember that. It's kind, of calling- like a, it's kind of like a cockwomble. But it's it's slightly slightly less effective than, okay. than a cockwomble. It's a wank puffin. Right. So okay. yeah, right. every time I saw some kind of wank puffin comment onto a video, uh, particularly as I've been following the the trial of Carl Rittenhouse, and and you know there's there's lots of videos popping up on Facebook about that. So I wound up in Facebook prison again. This is my third time, I think, uh, for a week this time because I I commented that it was totally justified it was um self-defense as the jury um have maintained and and decided and uh, it was just a shame that he didn't get more of them so that got me straight into um into facebook prison for for wishing that he'd been slightly more prolific in his actions but again that i suppose is incitement so am i agreeing with their moderators no because i didn't say go and do it someone i just said that was my wish that um we weren't just talking about two people that we would have been talking about more because quite frankly and it doesn't matter whether they're from the far left antifa blm and all the rest of the left lunatics i would have been equally as happy if someone had taken some goose stepping nazis from the far right out as well so just to qualify that, that's why I'm in Facebook prison. Unfortunately, that drove me back onto Twitter. Now, I know, uh, sorry, Twitter, um, <laughs> which is which is what I thought was, you know, a, a safe space for liberal left libtard snowflakes. However, I'm getting more likes from my recent comments and posts on Twitter Twitter, sorry, than I got on Facebook. And that was amongst my family and friends. I normally get 50 likes if I put a picture of me and the dog up or or some kind of amusing story. I don't use other people's stuff, you know. So many people, in fact, it was one of the subjects we had on um on a past room 101. Lazy memes, people just posting lazy memes. Somebody else has created this. They'll put it up and they'll want everyone to love it and think it's really hilarious. And I just think it's lazy. Make your own stuff up. Take a photograph, say something, write something funny and use that. That would be much better. So, yeah, normally on Facebook, I might get 30, 40, 50 likes to one of my posts. Recently on Twitter, oh, I said it right. Uh, Recently on Twitter, I got over 70 likes for a comment. And again, uh, it, it was about the, the Kyle uh, Rittenhouse trial. And I'd just like to say, if anyone can get this to Kyle's ears, that I thought it was incredibly brave, that I'm so happy that the jury found in your favour, correctly in your favour. I mean, how much hard evidence 
do you need? There's a complete video showing it step by step exactly what happened. And yet, still, the one side of the bad penny that is the far left and the far right are being rabble-roused to cause problems. Even your own, you know, what's his name? Um, 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 Joe something, old guy. Uh, I can't remember his Brandon. Brandon, yeah, go Brandon. No, but even Biden said... And it, that was that was a, a, a concealed incitement. Please make sure that your anger at this result is peaceful or demonstrate it peacefully. Why on earth would anyone be angry at a fair trial with a jury returning a verdict of not guilty with that level of overwhelming evidence and, uh, quite frankly, a prosecutor who couldn't prosecute his way out of a wet paper bag. I would recommend not going to the New York, New York Times article that was talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict because the comment section there on Twitter was exactly the people that you were questioning. How could you uh, be against this? Um, that's 90% of the comment section uh, on, on that. Um, well, this is it. This is, this is why we, we need more forums with equal input. The problem with Telegram, not necessarily Telegram, but the other one that we got onto with the red logo, what was that called? Parlor. Parlor. Was it was all one sided. It was all right wing people uh, and centre right and extreme right. Yeah. And it's an echo chamber. You don't want to just hear your own thoughts. You want other people's opinion, but forums like uh was it the New York Times you're saying, Bruce? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's as left wing and as uh, biased as as it could possibly ever be, isn't it? So you yeah. you are going to get ninety percent. It's only the odd uh, masochist like myself that dips into these safe spaces for libtards uh, and and fights back every now and again. And you have to expect to take some flack from them because uh, you know, if nothing else, as keyboard warriors, they are fairly fierce. The BBC. I'm very proud of my country, the United Kingdom. And the British Broadcasting Company, for many, many years, has produced some of the best television and news coverage in the world. However, in the last few decades, you can see the rot has set in, and it's as left-wing, left-leaning as, as it could possibly be. In fact, BBC, for quite a long time, amongst the right, has been known as buggers broadcasting communism. But the way in which they dealt with the... Um, the Carl Rittenhouse uh, verdict made me put thumb to keypad and I sent the email of complaint, a formal complaint to the BBC about the way in which they handled it. They were using words like vigilantism and this, that and the other and how there is bound to be this powerful reaction against this verdict. You know, there was no mention. All they should have done was say he was found not guilty on all five counts. I think there were five charges that he was up against. And on all five charges, he was found not guilty by a jury of his peers. End of chat. And that's not what they did. They they put a very biased, oh, isn't it a terrible thing that this jury could possibly find this young man who went to a place to help protect people's property and people's lives. And his main purpose was to, to offer first aid and assistance to people. Yes, he had an AR... 15 strapped around his neck but quite frankly with that kind of crowd around me i would also want to be armed so yeah I, i'm absolutely disgusted with the way that um mainstream media the you know the propaganda machine 
are dealing with this. And it's so difficult to find a balanced reportage of the news anywhere these days. I think that's why uh, people turn to uh, to podcasting. I mean, podcasting is like the uh, the new Wild West, if you will, uh, at the moment. Uh, that Now, I don't expect it to stay that way forever because you've got big money that are going in to buy up podcasting now because they don't uh, necessarily control it. Now, we do have terms of service that we adhere to, of course, but we give the center of the road perspective, as you're talking about. We shout down both sides. We call things for what they are. We see things as they are. Uh, and I think that that right there is... Um, uh, is very damning to the system. The old way of doing things, the, the system itself, as in like the mainstream media, they didn't adapt to the times, as in they didn't transition the way that they needed to transition in order to stay with uh, what people wanted culturally. So they moved to this echo chamber of just propaganda. Uh, case in point, uh, and we, maybe we can kind of segue into this, let's, uh, let's look at what's happening across the continent of Europe. We were going over video, and these are all across our, uh, these are all over our Telegram page for those of you that are subscribed to us there, uh, of what you're not seeing in the mainstream media. Again, this is another reason why platforms such as Telegram are actually exploding, because you're getting the news there. You're getting the real story of what's happening. Now, it might not be with a uh, with a certain uh, presenter that looks like they put makeup on with a uh, with a spackling knife with bright lights uh, shaking shoes and legs at you, but you're going to be able to make up your own mind. That's what the system doesn't want. They don't want a population of sophisticated people capable of critical thinking. That's what they don't want. They want mindless people sitting there watching the TV, getting spoon-fed an agenda that tells them what to think, not how to think. They don't want people being able to figure things out for themselves. What is happening in Italy tonight, as I'm speaking right now, tonight, on the continent of Europe, in Italy, what is happening? The vaccinated people, listen to me very carefully, the vaccinated people are burning their vaccine passports in barrels on the streets. Why? Because they're standing in solidarity with the unvaccinated being discriminated against. That is not what you're going to see on the mainstream media. All of the protests that erupted across the continent of Europe over the weekend in France, in the UK, I still consider you part of the continent, even though you're divorced from European politics. In Germany, I'll give you for that thought. <laughs> in Ger in this case, in this case, we we are unified as one people in this case because yes. that's what it's going to take. In all of the uh, in all of the Nordic countries, for God's sake, even in Stockholm, Sweden, in Finland, in all the Eastern Bloc countries, in uh, in Switzerland, in Austria. Massive protest in, in Italy, millions of people taking to the streets, millions upon millions of people taking to the streets, standing at the feet of these government buildings, not word one in the mainstream media. Instead, what do you have today for prime minister's questions in the UK, as you were telling me? You got Boris Johnson talking about Peppa Pig. Well, it's, it's worse than that, because let's face it, just about everything that comes out of Boris's mind or mouth is a lie. Because I've said before, how can you tell if he's lying, his lips are moving? And I voted for the man, but I voted for him to get out of Europe. It's worse than that. On the BBC this morning, um, given that all of these things are happening around the world, all these massive protests, including Australia. in London. Australia, Australia was completely yeah. ignored. Australia was ignored. Yeah. You saw the numbers that they put in the streets down there. Well done to the Aussies. In all the different states down there, in the Northern Territory, in, uh, hell, in Western Australia, in Perth. Did you see all those people standing at the government building in Perth? My God, yeah. Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, all, all these places. Unbelievable numbers down there. But the, the headline news this morning, when I turned the TV on, uh, and it was already on BBC because I'd been watching Strictly Come Dancing the night before. Don't judge. But um, yeah, the, the first story the two news anchors came out with was that 
Postman Pat, the set of Postman Pat and the puppets have been saved from destruction because an American company who'd bought the um, the rights to, to it were going to destroy the set and destroy the puppets. But they've been saved by one of the guys who, who, who made the puppets. And this is a, a stop motion animation TV series for kids, for those that aren't aware of it. That's been going for about 40 years about a local village postman and his black and white cat called Jess. So you've got all of these protests happening in the world and our national broadcasting company is telling us about Postman Pat. And I, I really had to struggle not to alliterate um, that that sentence with a few expletives um, because we we're, we're a family show this evening. Yeah, we have yeah I know, if, but if, if we know. need to. So, so the... It's the more and more they pull these stunts of of bad reporting, of bias reporting, the closer we are to defunding. Uh, and I, I know that's a left wing tactic to ask for the defunding of, but in this particular case, the BBC, because the why are we funding them to, to begin to, with? Well, to to own a TV or even a radio in the United Kingdom, you have to have a license. Oh, that yes, license, license is now yeah. about a hundred. I think it's about one hundred and forty-nine pounds per year to own a TV license. Um, if you haven't got a TV license and you own a TV, you can be prostitute, prostituted, no, prosecuted and jailed, even fined, heavily fined, and or jailed for not having a TV license. So even if you only stream things onto your TV or, uh, you know, you you subscribe to that horrible global corporation, Amazon or Sky or Virgin or um, Disney or whatever. If you only watch those programs, which you pay for over and above your TV license, if you don't have a TV license, but have a TV, you can get prosecuted. And that money is used to fund the BBC. And I'd rather not pay it. I would really much rather we didn't have a, a BBC because they were supposed to be the voice of the nation. They were supposed to be, you know, what reporting things in a manner that was fair and honest, as well as um, perhaps reflecting the national identity as well. And they made some good programmes, but no, not anymore. It's it's so biased. You can see the bias in everything they produce, including their TV programs. You know, I, I, I don't know if I've actually mentioned this to you before, uh, but I'm not going to mention any names here. But I, I know of somebody personally that works at the BBC. I'm not going to mention who they are, or what they do, but I know they listen to us. And this is somebody that makes some decisions and gets some uh, gets some camera time, if you will. If you could say anything to them that they would be able to reiterate to their staff and people in their production team, what would you say? I would say cut the bias. Simple as that. Report news as news with the facts. Don't put your spin on it. The other thing is that, yes, we do live in a multicultural society. However, we are around about 14 one four percent BAME in the UK. But if you watch the BBC, you believe it was probably around about 80% BAME because they are so keen to to be diverse and inclusive that you don't get the real reflection of what the population dispersal is in the UK. It's like governments and, and particularly opposition parties 
opposition parties in the UK pander to every minority, whether they believe in their ideology of that minority or, or actually even respect the culture of that minority, they pander to them because they want votes, because all they're interested in is getting into power. And the BBC does the same. It panders to minorities overly because it, it wants to 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 have this broad appeal. But what it's wound up doing is actually turn the majority completely off. And I'm I'm honestly all for inclusivity and diversity, but make it representative. Otherwise, you know, you are gonna lose your funding. Yeah, because I, the, the I next vote we get on it. God, I, sorry. No, you're fine. I, I agree with you. But uh, everything you're talking about, it makes sense because the, the news media in, in America does exactly the same thing. Albeit, I would argue it's a, a thousand times worse because some of the, the useless stuff that we played here, what was it, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the uh, the Virginia election? My God, if that's what passes for news, man, we're in a lot of trouble and we got a lot of work to do. But you get that when it comes from Microsoft, I guess. You know, MSNBC, what do you think the MS stands for? Uh, but I agree with you in that sense that you need to start uh, with the media being uh, inclusive and, and everything. Okay, I, I get that. But it doesn't fit the agenda. None of that fits the agenda. They can't be inclusive. They have to be divisive. That's what they're designed to do at this point is they're designed to divide all media across all these nations, whether that's Australia, whether that's New Zealand, uh, and the politicians too, for that matter, that are on board with, with the media across uh, the continent of Europe and the United States and Canada, where, wherever. We're all seeing the same agenda from all of these media companies. They are dividing people. That's all they're doing. They're, they're not uniting people. They're not bringing people together. We're supposed to be going after the people that are stomping on our rights. We're supposed to be coming together. And you can see out there in the streets, that's what's happening. That's what's really happening. That's the reality of the situation. But yet you have a media who doesn't want to cover that because it doesn't fit the agenda there again. That's inclusiveness out there in the streets. That's real inclusiveness. That's everybody. The Italians that are burning their vaccine passports, the vaccinated Italians that are burning their vaccine passports, that is inclusiveness. That is real inclusiveness because they don't want to be part of a society, a sick society that segregates one person against another. There has to be people within these broadcasting companies who are not completely on side with, with that narrative, with, with that, that movement uh, and the direction they're being given. There must be some people, and I would just like to see them just once, take one for the team, lose their job, obviously, because they would do, because it'd be easy enough to find out who did it, but actually slip into the, um, into the machine the truth, a, a report, giving it as it is, without the spin, uh, and or even just whistleblowing on what they're being told to do and why they're being told to do it. This is a terrible story, and, I, and I, it wasn't me, I promise, but in Elaine in, in um, the United Arab Emirates, where I, I, I lived for quite a long time, around about every 800 yards or 800 metres, there was a mosque, a majid. And these were small mosques. There were some big mosques. And in most of these small ones, um, they didn't have a menu in, the guy who does the call to prayer. They would have a DVD player, or sorry, a CD player rigged up to a PA. And so... You'd hear the call to prayer five times a day, and it's it's quite. Um, I used to enjoy it because you you could tell where you, where you were or, or or what time of day it was, and the sound is quite haunting. But around about Christmas time, with so many expat Brits, Canadians, Americans, Australians living in the area, people used to sneak into the mosque and replace 
the CD of the menu in with a Christmas song CD. <laughs> so you'd, you'd all, all of a sudden you'd hear uh, Noddy Holder from Slade shouting, it's Christmas, instead of Allah Akbar. So, yeah, I want someone from the BBC to do that. I want them to slip a, a DVD into the player so that the truth gets broadcast. That's what I'd like. By the way, I'm not saying either way, left or Christian, Muslim, Judaism, you know my opinion on, on faith. I think everyone should have faith, but formal religion is the anathema of mankind. Anyway, there you go. That's what I want the BBC to do. I want them to slip a an honest DVD and press play. You know, I ran across something over the weekend and I thought we could discuss it here. I, I wasn't quite sure because I wasn't really planning anything. But uh, while we were on this discussion, I dug this up. You know, we've talked about uh, dear old Klaus. Uh, when I say dear old Klaus, I'm talking about Klaus Schwab uh, of the World Economic Forum uh, in Davos, Switzerland. You know, I, I see all these actors that are that are on stage right now. And when I say actors, I'm talking about politicians. I see all of these people. I see all of these uh, these media people. There's a reason we're getting the same message from all of these people, yet no country's reporting on another. And as it turns out, uh, and I'm I'm going to go down through. I'm going to I'm going to name some names tonight. Uh, as it turns out, it's no coincidence that we're seeing all of this. Now, I know that we've been saying that, but to actually have it in writing. And to to see it, to see names, I, I've been looking for names because GP always says, who is it? Give me a name. Give me a name. Right. Because everybody always says, as you brought up before, Marty, when we talked about the uh, we, we did our New World Order podcast, uh, the two part series. For those that want to listen, go back and give those a listen. Those are still relevant. But people always say they. Well, who's they? Who, who are they? Well, let's name some names. Is there something you want to say before I uh, before I go down this uh, this group here? No, I was just making sure you said what you said. Thank you very much. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're we're on the same page. We think is one. We think is one. Now, just to get off on the right foot, let's. I'm just going to name these people. I'm betting you're probably not going to know who some of these people are, but I will explain. Pete Buttigieg, Gavin Newsom, Sharista Freeland. Jose Manuel Barroso, Angela Merkel, Nicholas Sarkozy, Nikki Haley, Jeff Bezos, Peter Thiel, Mark Zuckerberg, Jacinda Ardern, and Gordon Brown. That's just to name a few. Now, you know some of those names, but what do they all have in common? They're all members of the World Economic Forum. All of them. Pete Buttigieg, current transportation secretary, former president, uh, president can presidential candidate for the Democrat Party in the United States. He's currently part of this cabinet. Gavin Newsom, current governor of California. Uh, Sharista Freeland, I'm not quite sure who that is. Jose Manuel Barroso, former vice president of the European Commission, and who was a Maoist, I might add, for those that don't know. Angela Merkel, German chancellor, former German chancellor, now on her way out. Nicolas Sarkozy, former French president. Nikki Haley, former ambassador to the United Nations for the United States. Jeff Bezos, president of Amazon, president, CEO, founder of Amazon. Peter Thiel, founder of PayPal, one of the founders of PayPal, along with Elon Musk. Mark Zuckerberg, everybody knows him, Facebook. Jacinda Ardern, current PM and uh, <laughs> quite the uh, drug connoisseur of uh, New Zealand. And Gordon Brown, former prime minister of, uh, of the United Kingdom. He was never elected, though, was he? Was he, he just not? got in by accident? No. Was he, he not? Was he not general then? I, I didn't. I thought he no. Was. Um, well, uh, he was Blair's bitch, and uh, oh, basically, okay. when Blair went, Brown took over. I think that's that's how it how it happened. Oh, yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah. But uh, he, okay. he wasn't elected. It, Gordon Brown would would never have won an election in in this country. I was going to say the so, Labour Party at the time, if I remember correctly, they really weren't very well favoured. Uh, so I don't. I don't they'd see been him. in. They'd been in for, for a while, uh, and then with how disgusted everyone was with Blair and the um, the whole 
weapons of mass destruction lies. Uh-huh. Blair resigned and obviously Labour needed a new, new leader and it just happened to be golden brown texture like sun. Uh-huh. And then, of course, David Cameron came in after that. And then, of course, you had you had the Miliband brothers uh, come in as the new Labour lead. They changed uh, Gordon Brown out after he was out. Uh, and then I see that Ed Miliband is actually back uh, in, uh, in. I saw him speaking in Parliament the other day. I didn't I didn't th- I thought he was out of politics. Well, I'm, I mean, for, as far as Labour are concerned, I've, I've never been inclined to vote Labour um, because they they just tend to. Well, to me, and I'm 55 years old. They've always seemed to, to pander to those who want to hold their handouts for freebies, as opposed to create jobs uh, that people can can earn their own money in or create opportunity for businesses. And that, to me, is what the Conservative Party have always done. But that's changed as well. This Conservative Party have been, um, you know, fully behind this great reset. And these people that you've all just mentioned are all Klaus's cronies, although they're, they're fabulously wealthy. And Klaus says he only draws a small salary and doesn't mm, have a lot yeah. of money himself. Well, he, but no, he, he, he does. He doesn't really take he, a. He, he doesn't really take a salary, and his wife doesn't take one either. He no, no, but he is a Rothschild, is he not? His mother was a Rothschild. Mm-hmm. So there you go. He doesn't need a salary because mm-hmm. he's richer than Crassus. Anyway, uh-huh. yeah. So, so all of these people, uh, I got slightly off track there with the whole UK Labour Conservative, because that's what's always happened in the UK. Every time we've gone too far to the left, the pendulum swing has forced an election to the right, and the other party have taken over, and and we tend to sinusoidally balance everything out. So it is a, a you know, it's not a far left, far right. It's a centre political country. But now with, with the two-party system that we seem to have, because the, the Lib Dems are incredibly unpopular in, in most cases, they, I mean, they're, they're, they still have their voters and they still have their stalwarts, but they're, they're never going to win uh, an election, a general election. You only need to bribe the leadership. You don't need to bribe all of the party. And so with a system where it's going to be one party or the other, these bad actors, these names that you've just mentioned, have got the wherewithal to either bribe or coerce Epstein and all his dirt gathering and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth, Um, Mm -hmm. leaders of, of political parties, so that whole countries wind up doing the bidding of and we mentioned this in in the um who are the new world order podcasts around about 3000 people 3000 people collectively are calling the shots for the entire planet and this and this is why covid has happened this is why these restrictions are being enforced it's not about from this is just my opinion um but i'm i'm 100% convinced the vaccine wasn't developed for COVID. COVID was developed to give us the vaccine. Yeah. And this is what's happening. You know, we've we've said it all before. We've said it. I mean, I've, I feel like I've never been away because we're straight back into this, this particular topic because nothing has changed. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. They should reopen um, Alcatraz up um, and, and stick him in there. Um, I've been to that. 
that prison, by the way. I visited it one day. Uh, my ship was in, in San Francisco. Marvellous town. I'm pretty sure it's um, not quite it's as good as it used to be. A bit to be desired. Uh, there was a yeah. there was looting all across uh, downtown last night. Louis Vuitton stores, Fendi stores, all just, yeah, police just sat there. Yeah. Is, is it the, the NHI? Is that the National Health Institute? NIH. Or NIH. NIH. National Institute of Health, yeah. And it's through that institute that the the funding to Wuhan went for the gain of function yes. research. Yes. And it's been and we it's recently, been done to death in the Senate, hasn't it? Yes, it As has. And we've been, actually yeah. we found some more documented evidence. And I mean, I'm talking like solid on paper, you can trace it back. You've got the tech companies involved with it as well. You've got Google and Facebook's names on it. <laughs> as in on it. Like the actual funding of the lab. Uh, but I mean, that's that's another story. That's another red herring in and of itself. But you know what? Let's 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 just let's expand on that. But let's look at these. Let, let's look at these links in between this agenda and directly with the World Economic Forum, because they're the ones that are controlling all these politicians like puppets. So let's let's take a look at that link. You've got, of course, Klaus Schwab, founder of that group in I believe it was 1971. The mission of the World Economic Forum is to shape global, regional and, and industrial agendas and improving the state of the world. According to their own website, they say that moral and intellectual integrity is at the heart of everything that it does. Uh-huh. Yeah, we see how well that is. Now, they've been involved in all of this stuff in, in many different ways, but let's look at a few, just a few of them here. All right, so first, the World Economic Forum was together with the Gates Foundation and sponsored something called Event 201. We've talked about Event 201, where they war-gamed a, a coronavirus pandemic. Voila, a few weeks later, you get one. Well... That was held in New York City on October 18th, 2019. We actually did a podcast on it. The same day, oddly enough, that was the same day that was the opening of the Wuhan Military World Games, which some people say that was the, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the ground zero. The super spreader event. So if yes. you've got the World Military Games all going to Wuhan, all those contestants, but yeah. There, there were so many other things because that time of year, where was the biggest outbreak? The biggest outbreak was in northern Italy, outside of China. Yeah, that um, was fashion in Milan. Week. That was fashion week. It was fashion week. And it was all the, the people returning from China to Milan because China yep. has bought most of the fashion industry and that's yes. where it's all made. Yes. So... And it was the Lunar um, New Year as well in China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course, China themselves have argued in many different publications, Western media publications, and they're even their own publications saying, well, it was the U.S. military that uh, uh, that brought that virus over to China. And then they're the ones that, that caused that. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't China that did that. But again, why aren't we seeing anything in the media about China? Everything's been shut up about China. You can't you can't even talk about China. It doesn't matter about what you can't talk about China about anything. Nothing. Rather, that's that statement is uh -huh. actually partially true, by the way, because the DOD was one of the investors well, and the they were one of the investors. Yeah. If not one of the biggest mm -hmm. investors. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, OK, so that was your first that was your first connection. Right. So that those events right there. OK, second. Right. Let's look at the second one here. World Economic Forum. What have they been a leading proponent of for a very, very long time? Digital IDs. Right. Digital identification, vaccine pass, well, digital passports and all that, not necessarily vaccine passports, but that that's a way to get you to take it. See, if they just give you a digital ID, no one would want it. You have to want it. 
You have to have an incentive to want it. Of course, now they're just holding a gun to your head saying you're going to take it, which there's a meme of that up on our up on our Telegram feed. It's Klaus holding a gun to your head and saying, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. <laughs> of course, I can't I can't do his accent just nearly as well as he does. The man speaks four languages. I mean, I, I'm, I'm impressed at the fact that he can speak four languages. So that's a feat in and of itself. I'm not I'm not making fun of his accent. I never do that. But just for the record, every time I do it, I am making fun of his accent because he's so creepy and he sounds like the Bond villain. He does. Yes, he does. They've been arguing that uh, they will make societies and industries more efficient, more productive and more secure. Again, this is according to their uh, their website and all of these papers that they put out. They say basically the same thing. In July of 2019, they started a project called Shape the Future of Travel with Biometric Enabled Digital Traveler Identity Management. Huh. That was in July of 2019. Of course, we were, you know, a few months away from uh, uh, from uh, from the initial uh, uh, outbreak there. In addition, they also collaborate with something called the ID2020 Alliance, which is funded by, I know this might come as a shock to you, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation to provide digital IDs with vaccines, you know, to com- kind of combine the two. Yeah, they're, they're big investors in uh, in that as well. Uh, and in particular, uh, ID2020, they also see the uh, the vaccination of children as a, uh, a point of entry for a digital identity. That, that kind of all works together, doesn't it? See, you, this is why they want to vaccinate the kids. Yeah, this is what they want to get them into that system. They want to get that, that system in vitro now while they can. That's why they're taking the system lower. They're taking the vaccine numbers and ages lower and lower. Not to mention what this is actually going to cause those poor children over the course of however much time they've got left uh, after all of these adverse effects that you see with everything. Uh, I'm not going to get into that right now, though. Okay, so there's your second one, right? Let's get to the third. Klaus Schwab, author of the book COVID-19, The Great Reset, was published in July of 2020. What, did he just pen it the day the, uh, the virus came out? Is that what he did? Did he, did he just did he sit down that night and start writing it? And then, of course, you, to have a book published, you've got to send it through proofreading and then it comes back for editing and then there's another proof and then editing and then it goes back and forth between the publisher. And then there's critics that read it before it gets put out. And then it's 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 a long process. So unless this man penned this thing the day the outbreak was announced, how did he know all of this? How, how is it possible that he knew all of this? We'll get to that. So. He argues in that book that the coronavirus pandemic can and should be used for an economic, this is from the book, I'm quoting, an economic, societal, geopolitical, environmental, and a technological reset, including, in particular, advancing global governance, accelerating digital transformation, and tackling climate change, all of which we're seeing right now. The man put a book out about it. You might want to check it out. It's available on Amazon. It's not very much. I think it's like, what, 12 bucks? Something like that. But... I, I, I urge our listeners to to wait until someone's thrown it in the trash yes, and then yes. read it because yeah, uh, giving more money to Jeff yeah. Bezos is um, is not a good idea. And Klaus. Uh, but this is – do you remember when you guys, you, Ned, and you, Johnny, and Bruce – sorry, I'm losing myself. Yeah, do you remember when you guys, including Ned, had the discussion about moving on to the next planet, about getting to Mars and so on? Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you know, you, you, you did that as a podcast. I think my line on it was that the only way that was ever going to be achieved effectively is with a global government. If if there is a global effort, everybody pooling their resources to that one aim to 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 colonize and um, what's the word, geoform 
Mars. Mm-hmm. Terraform. Uh, Terraform. 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 I don't want that to happen. I don't even want to buy anything online. I don't. I don't even want you know the, a national distribution system that will mean that I can get something delivered to my house the next day or even the same day that I've ordered it. I don't want it. I don't want a global government. I don't want that kind of power to ever exist because the moment it does and it's getting closer and closer with all of these moves by the World Economic Forum and this group of super rich, we all become the zero asset thralls, the slave race that the Kalergi plan advocated starting from 1920. And that's not what any of us want, but it's what the 3000 want. And they don't need us all anymore. In recent months, there's been program after program on, on UK television. There's there's a this lovely, charming program. I don't know if I've mentioned it before called Country File. Not as not as terrible as as it sounds. Uh, it's normally just stuff about rural information about farming, but the um, the technology now is such that they can plant, they can harvest, they can even uh, manage cattle in dairy farms without a single human being being there. So instead of having you know twenty thirty people working on a large farm, you wind up with two. They don't need so many of us to produce the food that they and their offspring will need, these these 3,000. They don't don't need us. They don't need it. They have their own private farms. Well, exactly. And those private farms are probably um, automated in in the manner that I just described. So, you know, they still want to travel. They'll still want to go to places. They'll still want to be entertained. So that they'll keep some of us around. But see, that's I think it's you know I I I tend to agree with you, but you have to look at it like this. I mean, for example, let's look at Boeing, right? You're familiar with Boeing, you you know the company, government contractor, and everything else. They do aviation airplanes and and many many other things. But most notably, they're uh, they're for designing uh, aircraft and maintaining aircraft and and employing aircraft engineers and and things like that, analysts and everything else. So you understand what they do well. With these mandates that they're handing down in the U.S., you're talking about firing tens of thousands of these people. You can't just replace them. These are people that will specifically work on these uh, these luxury airliners and everything else that they want to live and travel to their uh, uh, their their luxury playgrounds with. But they're going to get rid of all those people. They're going to get rid of. They the won't. People. They won't need large scale airliners because the only people who are traveling will be the billionaires. I understand. I'm talking um, about the ones that will so, work on so their planes. Again, by scale, instead of how many people are there in the world in billions? Uh, about seven, seven billion. About seven billion. Yeah. Well, we've taken quite a so, haircut uh, with this one. So yeah. So the three thousand, and let's say that number triples even in the next few years when they start to clone their own new babies and stuff, or whatever they do, whether they reproduce naturally or or whatever. That could triple to, let's say, 9,000, 12,000. That's still uh, a tiny, tiny decimal point of that 7 billion. And they won't need massive airliners. They'll have their own private yachts. They'll they'll have small jets that can take them from place to place. The rest of us won't be traveling because we'll be locked down or dead or unable to reproduce so that we, you know, the most expensive thing um, and the way most of these swine have got rich is through hedge funds. And the hedge funds are where everyone's pensions goes in. 
If they don't have to pay our pensions, they get to keep the money. That's what they're after. I sound completely barking mad, but at the end of the day, you have to apply, um, is it Occard's razor? Occam's razor. And, and, yeah, Occam's razor. Uh, and the most obvious answer is usually the truth. And why are they pressing for a great reset? Why have they decided to put these restrictions into European economies? Did you see the rest of the world shutting down their economies? Do you see it happening in Africa and in and in South America and in Asia? Are they shutting their economies down? No. The only countries that are doing it is the United States or Northern North America and the United uh, and 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 Europe and and the reason and they want to and Australia, yeah. But then again, Australia Australia's main economy is farming. The other bit of it has been selling mineral wealth to China, who have now got almost complete control of. The you know the Earth's rare me- um, rare metals. So you apply Occam's razor, and the answer you get is: Why are they breaking Western economies? It's because they want us to to be under the cosh. They don't want us to to exist, and they certainly don't want us to keep having children. They want to move everything they can, and, and we've seen it. We we went through the seventeen sustainable development goals of Agenda twenty thirty, and everything seems to be shifting industry and manufacturing into third world countries, into developing countries, and taking everything away from Europe. You cannot, you know, it's one of the basic laws of physics, isn't it? that you can't create something from nothing. So if they want these other parts of the world to become successful and wealthy and developed, that industry needs to to be stopped somewhere and then moved. And that's what they're trying to do. That's why they're breaking our economies. But, I mean, I can tell you that it's not being done by accident. And this, you know, again, this is why I wanted to go down through this list of names here to show you exactly how they're doing this. Because it's not by accident. It's not being done by accident. The, the, the economic side of things, that plays a part in this as well. It doesn't matter at this point. I, honestly, I don't think it, even if they wanted to try and f- stop this, I don't think that the, the chain of events that they've set into motion, I don't think they can stop it even if they wanted to. In the meantime, they're doing everything they can do in the mainstream media to blame uh, whatever, uh, unvaccinated people or uh, spiking cases or whatever, while saying nothing about the economy. Inflation hit the highest levels in Germany last week since 1951. Why aren't they talking about that? Nothing on the television, nothing in the newspapers about that. People can see it at the store, but what are they doing? They're talking about cases, vaccination rates, and usual, you know, more of the stuff. You're getting fed a steady diet of just BS and nonsense. You're not getting the real stuff behind the scenes. But who's doing it? Who's doing it? Well, back in the 1990s, Klaus Schwab and company down at Davos, they started something called the um, the Young Global Leaders. Bruce, we saw a clip of Klaus sitting down with the um, was the uh, the Costa Rican president or prime minister, whatever he is down there, talking about the Young Global Leaders. Yeah, you know, the Young Global Leaders like Tony Blair and uh, the, what's her name, the the one down there in. Uh, uh, New Zealand, Ardern or whatever her name is, the one in Costa Rica and, and uh, Coors in, uh, uh, in Austria, Young Global Leaders. Yeah, okay. Well, the program, the Young Global Leaders, aimed at identifying, selecting, this is from their website, identifying, selecting, and promoting future global leaders in both business and politics. Now, some of these people have been, of course, presidents, prime ministers, media people, and all the rest of it. But um, this is more of a, um, uh, they've got many of these programs, but uh, 
during this uh, this <clears throat> pandemic, a lot of these leaders and, and global shapers and everything else that they have names for, uh, they've played a lot of prominent roles. These are usually the ones that are promoting like the uh, the lockdowns, the zero COVID strategies, uh, mask mandates, vaccine passports, uh, that, that kind of stuff. Now, it's hard to say. Was it a failed attempt at something and they're just trying to cover their own sorry behinds at this point? I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, quite frankly, this agenda seems to be more and more like it's been in the works for a very, very long time. Let's look at some of these young global leaders, and I'm going to name what roles they have. Now, some of these people you probably... Hell, I didn't even know who some of these people were. Let's start with Jeffrey Zentis. He is the current... U.S. White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, Stefane Bansell, who was the CEO of Moderna, Jeremy Howard, who was, a for, or who was the founder of the influential lobby group Masks for All, Dr. Liana Wen, those that have watched CNN know who that is. She's uh, the former head of Planned Parenthood, which, by the way, was also a position that was held by Bill Gates' father for quite some time. She is the zero-COVID CNN medical analyst. Eric Feigl-Ding, who is a zero-COVID Twitter personality and influencer. Governor Gavin Newsom of California, who was selected for the Young Global Leaders in 2005. David Shridhar, who is a British zero-COVID professor. Jacinda Ardern, who is the Prime Minister of New Zealand currently. Greg Hunt, who is the Australian Health Minister and former World Economic Forum Strategy Director. French President Emmanuel Macron was selected one year prior to his election in 2017. Austrian Chancellor Sebastian Kurz, who is no longer there, who has been replaced by an unelected individual, who met with Alexander Soros two weeks ago before all of this has just started to uh, uh, appear in Austria. By the way, he also met with Sebastian Kurz as well. Uh, it was posted up on his, his Twitter feed. Yeah. Alexander Soros was there. Uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, who was selected in 1993. Uh, by the way, that was many, many years before she became Chancellor of Germany. Many, many years. German Health Minister Jens Spahn, who is the man who is out to, who is, excuse me, who is the piece of trash who is out today saying that uh, the German population will either be vaccinated, cured, or dead by the end of the winter. Listen here, banker boy, you got a lot of guts, I'll give you that. That's not going to save you on Judgment Day. Former, oh, I'm sorry, this, this is a good one. And former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, who has been a uh, leading proponent of, uh, I think it's been global vaccine passports, hasn't it? Yeah. In conclusion, I mean, that kind of gives a pretty good summation of, uh, of what we're dealing with here. They've been involved in a lot of strategic management and uh, of everything of this, uh, this pandemic. So uh, what's it all been about? Well, digital IDs. That's what it's about. Centralization, control, and management of your life. That's what it is. The young global leaders in the U.S., You've got, of course, I said, uh, Zentz, Zentz or whatever his name was, White House COVID response coordinator since 2020. He was selected in 2003. If you can think on that for just a minute. He's the current White House coronavirus response coordinator. And he was selected as the World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders group member back in 2003. Jeremy Howard, co-founder of the lobbying group Mask for All, was selected in 2013. Gavin Newsom, of course, selected in 2005. Mayor Hang Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, go ahead. The the 2003 one? Yeah. What year was the paper we were reading? 2001. About the uh, 2001. 2001. June 2001. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just remembered the 2003 in there. I think that was the, the date that the vaccine was available in that one. 2003, uh -huh. 2004 in that paper. But anyway. Would have been sorry. about right. Just no, you're fine. Sad, sad thought. Mayor Pete 
was selected in 2019, candidate for the U.S. presidency in 2020. And of course, he's now the current U.S. Transportation Secretary, who's responsible for all of those cargo ships that are waiting off of our ports that can't unload. He's the head of... You're going to be the head of a bunch of stuff because of oh, that yeah. uh, infrastructure oh, bill. The Build Back Better. Yeah, yeah, the Build Back Better. Thing. And uh-huh. the Build Back Better bill. Uh-huh. Yeah. That one yeah. hasn't passed yet, but the infrastructure one did. Yeah, well, that's that's Build Back Better light. Another name you might find, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, uh, Chelsea Clinton. Uh, she's uh, also a Clinton Foundation board member. Huma Abedin, who is supposedly, I, it's just a rumor, Hillary Clinton's girlfriend. She's a Hillary Clinton aide. She was selected in 2012. Nikki Haley, UN ambassador, 2017-2018. Samantha Power. I'm sure, Bruce, you've heard of Samantha Power before. She was the United Nations ambassador for the years 2013 to 2017. And she was also the USAID administrator in 2021, this year. Ian Bremer, founder of Eurasia Group. Bill Browder, who's a I believe he's a member of the Communist Party, I I, might, I, I think. Uh, he's also the initiator of the Magnetosky Act. Jonathan Soros, son of George Soros, is also a World Economic Forum, a young global leader. Kenneth Roth, director of Human Rights Watch since 1993. Paul Krugman, economist, selected in 1995. Lawrence Summers, Larry Summers, yeah, everybody remember Larry Summers, former head of the World Bank. Uh, or excuse me, he was the World Bank chief economist, former U.S. Treasury Secretary, former president of Harvard University, selected in 1993. Alicia Garza, co-founder of Black Lives Matter, was selected in 2020 on the list of World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders. And of course, the CEO of Moderna. Media, of course, you've got Dr. Liana Wen. She was selected in 2018. CNN, course, excuse me, chief medical correspondent Sanjay Gupta, who was ju- just had a, a, a an amazing in-depth interview with Big Bird from uh, Sesame Street. He also had a really good one with uh, Joe Rogan. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, because he couldn't sell any books on his own network. Um, yeah. Thomas Friedman, New York Times columnist, selected in 1995. George Stephanopoulos, selected in 1993. And of course, Lachlan Murdoch. Yeah, one of the Rupert Murdoch's boys. Yeah. CEO of Fox Corporation. Uh, And then, of course, you've got Bill Gates. He was selected in 93. Steve Ballmer, uh, selected in 95. Jeff Bezos, co-founders from Google, Sergey Brin and Larry Page. Uh, Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google. Wikipedia founder, uh, Jimmy Wales. Peter Thiel, PayPal co-founder. eBay co-founder, Pierre Audemeyer. Current founder and CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Sheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook. And, of course, the UK Here's your lineup in UK. You've got British Prime Ministers Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, both selected in 1993. BBC. Both uh, this might, yeah, this might answer Sorry, your. Sorry, uh, This might answer your. No, you're right. This might answer your former question. BBC World Service journalist Daywood Az- Azami, Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, co-owner of the Economist, Nathaniel Rothschild, son of Lord Rothschild, historian. Niall Ferguson, not Neil Ferguson, not to be confused with Neil Ferguson. William Hague, I remember him. He was foreign secretary under David Cameron. Charles Allen, CEO of uh, ITV. Justin Trudeau, though, he's not a you know, Canadian prime minister. He's not a member of the young global leaders. He's just a, he's kind of there. Of course, uh, Germany, you got German Chancellor Angela Merkel and then uh, Jens Spahn, current health secretary on his way out. Former health ministers, uh, Philip Rossler, David Barr. Current co-chair of the Green Party and failed chancellor candidate Annalie Bauerbach, uh, selected in 2020. Uh, various party members. I'm not going to get down through all these. It's quite a quite a list. European Commission. You've got presidents Jose Manuel Barroso again, who I said was a Maoist, was uh, selected in 1993. Jean Claude Juncker, 
Everybody remembers Jean-Claude Juncker. Yeah. Selected in 1995. French President Emmanuel Macron selected in 2016, became French President in 2017. Austrian Chancellor, excuse me, uh, French President uh, Nicolas Sarkozy, if everybody remembers Sarkozy. He was French President 2007 to 2012, selected in 1993. Austrian Chancellor Sebastian Kurz, former Prime Minister of Italy, Matteo Renzi, uh, was selected in 2020. Prime Minister, Spanish Prime Minister Aznar, selected in 93. Klaus uh, Regling, CEO of European Financial Stability Mechanism. Guy Verhofstadt, former Belgian Prime Minister, chair of the Brexit Steering Group. Uh, Danish Minister for the Environment, Leah Wormelin, I, I don't know. And then, of course, Finnish Prime Minister and then former Finnish Prime Ministers. You've even got him involved in uh, in various regions in uh, in Switzerland, the federal level, and then on down into the, uh, uh, the Canton level. But and CEO of uh, Credit Suisse. So you get the idea. They've been at this for a long time. This is a long list. So you might want to just remind the list. Oh, I'm done. I, I'm done. I'm, this, this goes on and on and on. <laughs> who these people are and who these people are, are it's, it's funny. As you've been going through it, I've been listening and they're either career politicians. That means that they're, they're mass produced plastic politicians that have gone through, particularly in the, in the UK. Um, they they do history and economics and politics as as a combined degree, and they get churned out, and they usually get sponsored by cockwombles like Soros and his his foundations, and they they'll get pushed left or right into different parties, but they already owe a huge debt of gratitude to the ultra rich, so they come out of, of of university straight into a job in politics at a very low level within a within a, a political party, and those that the party thinks are going to be any good, get put forward as candidates into a, a dead cert seat. And, and, this, and this is what happens. The other ones you've mentioned are particularly the tech giants. They're people who've become fabulously wealthy at quite a young age because it's, it was the technical revolution. Everything was moving that way. The whole, the whole um, advance of computing and, and the, the different platforms that everyone's using. And, the one thing that they they don't have is real life experience. So they do have a completely different viewpoint to the average Jack, Jill, or them they on the street. They've got no real connection to what actual real life is all about. So it's easy for them to get caught up in in this kind of of movement to reset our lives because they've got no connection to our lives. They don't understand what we value, what we work for, why we are so against what they are suggesting. All they believe is because they've they've been um, lauded uh, and applauded throughout their lives for their achievement in their pitiful made-up degrees or by people like Klaus Schwab and saying, hey, do you want to be a member of this club? It's fantastic. All you've got to do is run your country the way we say, say do it. Or He's got dirt on them, and and um, they don't want to be exposed. So that's what we're up against. The last Labour Prime Minister that I've got any recollection of was a guy called Harold Wilson, and he and Edward Heath, Ted Heath. Ted was the Conservative, very rich, very posh. Wilson was working class, had a northern, uh, you know, regional accent, and although they were two sides of, of the political argument, they both still understood real people. 
whether those people be the middle class or the working class or the upper class, they understood what people wanted, what their drives were and so on. That's why they were good politicians. What we have today are fakes. They are mass-produced. They're the worst kind of artificial intelligence, if, if you like. They know all the right things to say. They know all the right buttons to press and, and, and how to trigger people in certain directions. But they've got no real understanding of what those people's real drives are. That's all I wanted to say on that. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. But this again, this is why we're not seeing any pushback, because they've been at this for all of these people's careers. They've been brought up in these institutions. They've not been told that they're allowed to step outside of these lines, as in stay in line or we're going to remove you. You notice in a lot of these countries now, the ones that are not doing what they're told are the ones that are stepping out of line, they're being replaced and they're being replaced in real time. Italy, they pulled the PM down there. They replaced him. They put Mario Draghi in there, a banker. A former head of the European Central Bank is now suddenly just the, the prime minister of, of Italy. And now they've got all these restrictions and everything. Austria, as as you heard, I, I said, uh, Coors, what's what's his name? Sebastian Coors. He was one of the 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 revered uh, young global leaders. I've got pictures of him up on our Telegram page of him sitting there shaking hands with Klaus Schwab. And he's meeting with Alexander Soros a couple of weeks ago. And now he's not doing what he's told. So what happened about three, four weeks ago? He just suddenly resigned due to personal reasons. He took a back seat and now they put Schallenberg in down there and look what they've got. So Merkel's on her way out here. And quite frankly, the uh, and this is not being talked about either. The election is in the process in Germany of being recalled, meaning their elections are over here said, hey, wait a minute. We've got a ton of irregularities here. We need to reexamine what happened in Berlin with these elections. In the meantime, what do you have? You have the coalition government that's on a runaway freight train doing everything they can possibly do to uh, hell. They just they just passed the other day. Oh, we're going to legalize marijuana everywhere. What? Who voted on that? Who, who voted for that? That that's a Soros agenda through and through that he's been trying to get passed in nations for decades. And now all of a sudden, when the election's in question, they're ramming stuff like that through. And then the outgoing government, they're saying everything that, they, that, that the new government can't say. So they're saying, oh, well, you're going to do this with vaccines. You're going to do this with passports. You're going to shut down all the businesses. You're going to pull testing. You're not going to allow people in here because they're on their way out. They've outlived their usefulness. They've played their part. They'll be well compensated. They'll get their 10, 10 pounds or 10 ounces of silver or whatever it is, and they'll move on. I think 40 pieces was the phrase you were looking for. That's it. Um, yeah. But, you know... Changing the subject very slightly because I think I think we've stated what we wanted to state about this this list of um, young global leaders. Mm -hmm. um, one, you, you you said we earlier on. You said we were all speaking with the same mind. A friend of mine explained to me a while back, um, and you've met him, that the whole hemp and marijuana thing was stamped down on because it was it was threatening to to disrupt. Uh, other economies, the timber industry and and the tobacco industry, and and so on and so forth, and those, and we're talking going back probably 150, maybe 200 years, as as to why these things have been outlawed. Hemp and, and and marijuana plants can be turned into paper. They can make really good wood substitutes. You can make clothes out of the things. There's certain conditions that can be so easily treated um, without a, a an expensive chemical process to just remove CBD oil from from these plants that, that help people with all kinds of medical conditions. However, the way in which it's abused 
um, is probably why Soros wants it, because if we're all, you know, baked as hell, we're easier to control. But in actual fact, some of the, you know, like I say, we don't all think the same way. We can agree to disagree on certain things. And one of the things I would personally like to see is a decriminalization of this kind of um, plant. Call it a drug, call it what you like. But the crimes should be if you misbehave, behave irresponsibly whilst under the influence then the full force of the law should come down on you. It's like drinking and driving. Or if you get involved in a, a in a fist fight in a bar because you're drunk, being drunk is no excuse. Same as being stoned is no excuse. So the problem is, I suppose, that they've dumbed us down so much with the cuts in education and, and, and made people more and more stupid that more and more people would be likely to behave in irresponsibly if they were if they were stoned. So my jury's out at the moment as to whether it should be legalised or not. Now that you've told me that Soros has been pushing for it, I wasn't aware of that. Um, It it sort of swung me the other way a little bit that um, if he's pushing for it, it must be a bad thing. But my thinking prior to you saying that has always been it needs to be considered because there are benefits. But yeah, I, I just wanted to say that because when you said earlier on, we speak with the same mind, I've got no real problem with that. But I'd already said that we don't want to be in echo chambers as well. We want to have um, different opinions, particularly in our podcasts. We still haven't had a woman on, as far as I'm aware. Uh, we'll we'll get that fixed uh, in the uh, the coming days. Uh, speaking any volunteers of, uh, out there? <laughs> yes, uh, do do drop us a line at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com if you'd like to be a potential guest. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you're um, if you're from down under. Boy, we'd really like to have somebody on from down there. We we can work out the time change. I know it's a little difficult, but uh, we can uh, we can work with that. Speaking I'm of, send a few messages out. Sorry, bro. Uh, sorry, Johnny. I'm going to send a few messages out to my Aussie friends. Yeah, yeah, do and that. To see if I can't get someone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please do. I do have. Speaking of what you were uh, you were just mentioning there uh, about being uh, stoned and stupid, uh, I have the Boris Johnson Peppa Pig uh, clip. If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to. Oh hear yes, it. please. Because I, I missed this today. Okay. Isn't it amazing? You've got Big Bird on on CNN. Uh-huh. Um, you've got Boris talking about Peppa Pig, and you've got Postman Pat on the BBC. Yeah. They are yeah. definitely not giving us any real news, no. are they? No. No. So with, with safer streets, uh, with great local schools, uh, with fantastic uh, broadband, uh, lost, uh, lost his paper. Doesn't know what to say. Forgive me. I think someone had shotgunned him earlier Forgive on. Me. <laughs> Forgive me. People will have the confidence to stay nearer the place they grew up, to start business, and business uh, will have the confidence uh, to invest. And then, of course, there is one thing that business wants and that this country needs far more than 100 supersonic rail, link, rail links, far more than uh, broadband, and that is skills and uh, the people uh, that uh, you all need to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to staff your business. And it's an astonishing fact that the 16 to 18-year-olds in this country are getting 40% less time in instruction than our competitors in the OECD. And so we're, we're turning that round. Uh, in your speech to the CBI, you lost your notes, you lost your place, you went off on a tangent about Peppa Pig. 
frankly, is everything okay? I think that uh, I think that people uh, got the vast majority of the uh, of the points I wanted to make, and I thought uh, I thought it went over well. He's deluded. That was Eight. possibly okay. The worst, the the worst screw up I've ever seen a British Prime Minister make. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even was, was it? Who was the one who came back from speaking to Hitler and said, "Peace in our time," waving oh, a piece Mr. of paper? Oh, Mr. Chamberlain, Mr. Mustache, Chamberlain, Neville, yeah, Neville, good old Chamberlain. Neville, yeah. Um, who was removed, by the way, uh, by his own party for being a, a, an absolute imbecile? Which is hopefully what's about to happen to Boris, because maybe not all of the 1922 committee have been bought and paid for by the New World Order, and if there's enough of them. Or maybe it's just because he's an embarrassment and someone better for the new world order is about to be put into place. I, I'm, I'm hoping against hope it's the former, um, but I, I don't have a great deal of confidence that um, whoever the 1922 committee decide should be the new leader of the Conservative Party is that they won't be a puppet just like Boris's. You got anything else? I've got about... Under a quid in my wallet, if that will do. No, sorry. I, mean, I, I do that's, keep, that's, I do that, keep that's, some that's, cash on hand. Oh, I've got to go all the way. Well done. Good man. Because I went out the other night to a restaurant with some people from my company. And because I'm I'm off sick at the moment, um, I couldn't I couldn't claim the meal on expenses like the rest of them were. Oh, dear. So I took cash. I took cash. And every time I went up to the bar or tried to pay something, I had the little machine thrust in my face and I took great pleasure in pulling my wallet out and paying cash every single time. That is the other thing I, I, that, that I would say to people, keep using cash. We've talked about it on here before. I know you guys have talked about it on length, at length. The moment we move to a cashless society, they will be with their hands deep in your pockets. In other words, they'll be charging you fees on the money you have in your account not on the not just on the money you borrow so um yeah keep using cash and that's it from me my friend well it's been fantastic having you back uh it's great to uh get your considered and informed opinion well i'm a bit out of practice and i think i may have rambled a little bit this evening You're so forgiven. i apologize for that you're Thank forgiven. you very much. It's been a while since you've been on, so I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to interrupt there and uh, and. and uh, well, it's a this. skill. We're, we're we're running out of skills, and uh, we're we're not getting. We're getting forty percent less than than our competitors. You know, the the ability to talk live on air for for an hour um, is a skill, and um, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I, I I need to use it a bit more. It is very difficult to uh, to do this thing. I mean, I originally talked to uh, people that I knew personally who listen to us now, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I want to come on and and, uh, and and do a podcast with you." And I'm like, "Okay." And so I I've tried it with like two or three different people that I know, and they're like, uh, "Okay, okay, I, I, can't, I can't do this." So we had to scrub the the, the things. So it's it's really it's, oh. it's really difficult to do. Have you still got them? Send them to me. I want to listen. Well, I do. No, those I don't have. No, uh, I do have. However, I do have four podcasts that have never been aired. They are not in our lineup. Uh, and I do still have them. Uh, they were uh, way back in the uh, way back in the testing days. Uh, I, I do still have those. Bruce, you're already smiling because we've gone through a lot of changes uh, since then. Yeah, uh, a lot of changes have been made. We've uh, we've made a lot of uh, equipment upgrades, a lot of uh, software upgrades and, uh, and things like that. So uh, we definitely sound a little bit different now. And I've had people that have known me for years tell me, 
okay, so when they, like they've listened and they've actually they've pulled it up while I'm sitting there with them and they say, oh, okay, um, so when do you talk? And I'm like, I've been talking. That's me. And they're like, that's not you. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that, that, that is me. And they're like, no, I know your voice. That's not you. So we, uh, we, we do have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of stuff around here as far as like, uh, te- uh, uh good software and, um, uh, actually some of the best software, uh, thanks to GP. And we've got a lot of our own, uh, uh, studio equipment. And so we actually, we sound a lot better than what we actually do. <laughs> but that's not to say that we do a bad job. I, I'm proud of the work that we do here. We put a lot of time in this. We put a lot of hard work into it. And it's because we actually care. We we want to tell things as they are. I, I remember when we were sitting down and we were, we were brainstorming this thing out many, many uh, months before we started this. And I remember I was actually saying on a, 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 on a podcast, uh, I think it was like a month ago now. I, I don't know. These things all run together. But I was saying that when you and I sat down and started to talk about this before we even started, you told me that you were looking at at getting into politics, like starting an act. You were right. You were in the process of getting ready to write a charter for an actual political party, were you not? And then I said, yeah. yeah. I said you, you probably want to hold off on that. I said you're going to reach a bigger audience. As but what I'm not saying that that local politics, because all politics are local, in my opinion. I'm not saying that local politics are bad, but right now is uh, is not a good time for it. With the technology that we have, as you said, as the technical revolution built, we have the ability now to speak to the world on the platforms that we create. And we can reach a larger audience now and we can have that discussion on a world stage as opposed to 25, 30 people at a town hall. Yeah. The main thing that you need from that, though, is feedback. And yes, I know we've we've talked about it in the past, but something we we, we might want to do in the very near future is get that live feedback because as an actor darling when you're on stage and you can hear the audience laugh or groan or sigh or whatever you know whether you're getting it right or wrong and everyone's opinion is their opinion so there is no right or wrong but being able to judge the groundswell of opinion amongst your audience uh, I, th- I think would be very very useful well we put the uh, we put our email address out every day in our closing and and uh, I we also we take feedback on our uh, on our telegram page in our comments section so I mean people are welcome to drop us comments good or bad I mean if we do something that uh, that you don't like please tell us about it we've had people tell us before that uh, we need to kick GP off the show and then the same time we've had another person say in the same sentence right below that person no. I like hearing the difference of opinion. So it, it's good. It's good that, that not only we see that, uh, that that feedback, but also the other listeners see it as well. But, you know, uh, and Bruce and I were talking about this. We have a couple of different ways. We can do live Q&A in our Telegram channel and people can listen live and jump into the conversation. We have the ability to do that. As a matter of fact, we've done it once before. Um, but there's also through our hosting company, they also have an option now where we can go live with them and they give us 10 phone lines for being, uh, for being hosted through them. So we can take live call-ins for anybody that listens live. So that is an option, my friend, if you want to do that at some point, then we can sit down and do that. I I would like to, I would like to, and I think we should, but as a word of caution, I think it was from an episode of Alan Partridge. I don't, I doubt if either of you have ever seen Alan Partridge. Oh yes. I know Partridge, yeah. You, you know Partridge, but it's where he's talking about dead air, where yes. you have a radio phone in and normally your lines are really, really busy. Four seconds. But, uh, yeah. But on this particular topic, he went, right, okay, and we're going to open the phone lines now. And there was nothing. There was no, there was no call on the subject. And it would be terminally embarrassing uh, if, that, if that were to happen. So I think your initial idea about 
people on the Telegram channel, when this this podcast gets posted up, give us some feedback, please. We 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 need it. We need to know if we're talking utter codswallop or if some of the things that we are saying are resonating with our listeners and uh, and and let's get into a discussion about it but you know i'm an old man now and i think it's time for me to go to bed so um i'm going to have to say good night uh good night bruce good night johnny good night pepper good night postman pat good night big bird fair enough uh it has been uh, it's been a real pleasure having go you back go brandon yeah yeah <laughs> it's been a real pleasure having you back and uh don't uh, don't be a stranger uh let's let's have you back on again uh on again really soon you can come back on again be much stranger could i you can come back on again later this week if you like uh or you can come back on next yeah. week depends on how you're feeling any as always any day of the week is open for you we will make the time for you we will build our schedule around yours that's very kind i i may well be back on uh at some stage during the week thank you Okay. All right. Uh, we will go ahead and call us some dump. Bruce, you got any? Uh, you got any final thoughts there? No. No. Glad to have Marty back. Uh, other than that, yeah. you're my feedback, Bruce. I watch your face through. Even though I'm facing this way because my camera's over there, I watch your face through the entire podcast just to see if you're giggling. And if you're giggling, I know I'm getting it right. <laughs> as far as Bruce is concerned, yeah. Don't yeah. let him lie to so, you, dear listener. He's looking at Bruce for affirmation when Bruce is nodding his head. That's what he's doing. That as well, obviously. You know. It, it takes a, a, a strong man to to take um, advice and guidance from, from a younger man. And, you know, I, I think I'm big enough and ugly enough to be able to be led um, if it's by the right person. So thanks, Bruce. All right. We will go ahead and call this one done. So uh, I want to, again, I want to thank you guys for being here. Marty, welcome back. Uh, thanks for being here tonight. For those of you not signed up to our Telegram page, as Marty said, please do get signed up to us over there so we can take that feedback. And like I said, we might be doing a live Q&A that will be separate from a podcast. We can do a live. We have the ability to, to broadcast live uh, in our Telegram page specifically for our subscribers. So if you'd like to jump into our conversation that is not broadcast in on these platforms, then uh, we might might be doing that uh, sometime in the near future. We did a test one not too long ago, and it worked out really well. So um, yeah, we might be doing that in the coming days. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, known associates, because we don't do social media around here, and we do need your help in order to expand our audience. So if you could please pass this along to friends, family, we would appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we'd appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you for being here today, Marty. Welcome back. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening. Marvelous. Well done.